Welcome to the Making Money in the Music Business podcast, where we share insightful views on a variety of topics in the music industry that can help you make more money from your music business. And now, here are your hosts, Dr. William E. Smith and Kenya McGuire-Johnson. Hey, Kenya, we're back. And uh, more importantly, you're back. I am back and I am suntanned. I'm even browner girl than I was <laughs> before I'm glowing. Yes, yep. I am back from Cabos, from Cabos, Mexico, and I am still in my Zen. So that's so awesome. Yes. Well, you know how I'm doing. How are you? I'm fantastic. I know you're good. I'm like you this week. I'm, I'm just like you now. I'm, I'm fantastic. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, we got a great, great interview today, and um, I- I'm gonna let you introduce our, our guest. But before we jump in, let me give everybody our music tip for the day. And it's very basic, simple music tip. Um, if you are a student uh, taking classes at a university, um, or if you're a teacher, um, it's, it doesn't, I don't even think it matters if it's a university. Uh, you can get an educational discount from most all software manufacturers. So if you're looking to get that mm. expensive piece of software for your, your music library, uh, you can basically use your, your educational situation as, uh, as a way to get a discount. So that's the music tip for today. Always. And, and is that discount like it does it vary or is it kind of it a does. Standard? It does. Um, okay. A lot of times right. some some software manufacturers only offer it to the school as a license, but uh, many of them okay. offer it as uh, a discount for the actual teachers and students. Um, I just got one from this, this software library that I was trying to get and it's very expensive. And I finally got uh, a nice yeah. little 25 percent off. So that's a huge chunk of change. Oh, nice. Yep. Yeah. Nice. Another really good music tip. And that's one thing that makes me sad about not being education anymore, because, yes, <laughs> when I used to teach, there's all kinds of different discounts you usually get. So use your discounts, people. Yep. Use them. Use them if you're a student. Yep. Well, every week we just get it gets just more exciting for me, at least Great. Me too. <laughs> on these podcasts and the people that we get to bring. And this is definitely no different. Um, as always, I always let our guests tell more about themselves instead of me going on and on. But this particular guest, it's funny. This is the first time we've actually ever heard each other's voices talk, but we've known <laughs> each other for several years <laughs> and it's all been completely digital. So, you know, we talk on this podcast about building relationships um, through your social media and online. And this is a very good example because I I think that um, this guest and I have a great relationship and I'm really grateful he has contributed hugely to um, to my to being able to promote my music. So I'm so honored to have uh, from soultracks.com, which is it's like my favorite music blog, and I'm going to let him explain more. Yeah, Chris, it's great to have you with us. And how do you pronounce your last name? It's Rising. It's Rising. Okay. Thank you. Um, it's great to be here, Kenya. It's it's and it's great to hear your voice, other than just singing. Right. Where I usually hear your voice, and it's nice to be here with right. Will too. Yep, great to have you, man. 
before I, you know, it's so funny. A lot of times when I bring guests in, I want to go on and on on how much I love them. But before I do that, (laughs) I want you to take some time and just tell us a little bit more about who you are, um, what is Soul Tracks, and um, why you even kind of came up with this really fantastic um, concept and, and music blog. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a twisty, turny story, and I'll try not to make it too long, but um, <laughs> I mean, my background was uh, I went to Michigan State University, so I'm a Spartan, uh, and uh, I was, uh, when I got to Michigan State, they had then the largest uh, student-run newspaper in the country, but they had never had anybody reviewing jazz or R&B music, and so when I got there, I just made a pitch to the editor that I wanted to start writing about it because that was the music that I had grown up with. And so I became their first writer of that, those genres and um, enjoyed it. It, it. And at one point thought about making a career of it, but I was an accounting major, not a journalism major. So I ended up uh, mm-hmm. sort of stopping writing after I got out of college, after writing there for three years uh, and got my accounting degree, worked in accounting, went back to, then University of Michigan Law School and became a lawyer, um, practiced oh, law wow. for uh, a dozen years, and then um, made another career change uh, and became a partner in a venture capital fund. And the reason that that was interesting is you know, we tried to, around the year 2000 or so, we were investing in startup companies. And the first company that we invested in was a company called Launch, which later became Yahoo Music. Mm. Wow. And it was sort of like Aww. it was sort of like Pandora before Pandora, uh, but at a time when mm-hmm. when record companies weren't that excited about having online radio. Um, but I learned a lot from mm-hmm. that, uh, and so it kind of got the music bug back in me. And uh, a few years later, uh, I noticed there were some soul music websites out there, uh, and I liked them. But I kind of had my own vision of what I wanted to do. Uh, so I had written a couple articles on some of the other websites just for fun. And uh, I was contacted out of the blue by Sirius XM Radio asking me if I wanted to do a show. Um, as you can tell right now, I don't exactly have a radio voice. Um, <laughs> that's, not, that's not bad. But, 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 what I, <laughs> but what I really wanted to do was write. And so I did a couple of shows for XM Sirius and ultimately decided what I wanted to do was create a website. And I literally bought a $50 program eBay and stayed up one night until I, knew, until I learned how to build a rudimentary website. And the idea was build a site where I could write mostly biographies of classic soul artists who just weren't covered uh, on the Internet back in 2003 when I started this. Uh, and I got... The, the name I had in mind from the beginning was Soul Tracks, and it was available. So I just started for fun writing articles wow. and, and posting them on this really ugly website that I had designed. Uh, and I'd write on airplanes. I'd write on weekends. And it started getting a bit of a following. And I sort of came to the point about four years in where I had to decide, do I really want to make this something bigger uh, and decided I did. So I brought in a half a dozen writers, I hired an editor. I then had the site professionally uh, designed. And we started, the goal was in our 
before the music of rock or hip hop, they have kind of the mainstream media. So they have broadcast radio and they have, mm -hmm. you know, Rolling Stone and big time press. But I wanted to create like an alternative universe uh, for soul music because soul music was not favored mm -hmm. in, in mainstream press and to create an opportunity for people to discover new music. And so Soul Tracks was designed around a few things. We would certainly do the biographies that I talked about, but increasingly we would do album reviews of new albums coming out that weren't covered elsewhere. Um, we would break new songs. So if an artist, uh, particularly independent soul artists who weren't going to get played on broadcast radio, if they were trying to find a way to reach an audience, I wanted to become the way that they could reach it. And, and what we were doing was, our first audience was uh, fans of classic soul artists, um, and they came to read about them. But our thought was, okay, if you like these classic soul artists, here's a new generation of artists who we think you'll like, who you just won't hear, right. hear of anywhere else. And that was our way of sort of bridging that um, to help independent soul artists reach an audience that we thought they would like. And so, you know, here we are, you know, 15 years after we started Soul Tracks, and the same basic philosophy is there. It's largely a discovery site to help people find music that they won't find somewhere else. And it's grown really nicely uh, over the years, uh, and, and it's worked out well. It's been fun for me. Uh, all my kids have worked on the website. My wife works on the website. I have friends working on the website. So it's kind of a community effort. Um, but it, it's been a it's been a really um, valuable one to me, and I think wow. to our readers too. One, oh, that's awesome! Yeah, that's yeah, a that's wonderful a history because I absolutely, you know, it's so funny. I, I had been looking at soul tracks way before I had the honor, you know, of, of actually finally getting on. And um, you know, everything that you just explained is key on those of you who may not be familiar with this, this music site. I mean, I'm turned on to so many new artists that otherwise I would never know. And um, at the same beautiful time though, those artists that I've always loved, you know, that are more major, you do these wonderful, you know, uh, features of them as well. So you're just getting this really, if you know, if you're a soul head and, you know, or, you know, and you've been following soul music for a long time, it's just a really great site to not only catch up on those artists that maybe you haven't heard from for a long time, but also being exposed to new artists. So it's, uh, I, I think it's, I think it's magical. I, I had a question for you. Do you, what's your competition like? Like, do you think that, um, is, is there a lot of sites like this or, you know, do you think you're kind of, there are, there have been a lot of sites. Um, I mean, over time is there have been a lot of mm -hmm. websites that have started, but uh, it takes a, it takes yeah. a lot mm -hmm. of commitment. You know, I mean, I'm uh, I do this sort of nights and weekends, and uh, it's every <laughs> night and every day of the weekend, and um, so it's a pretty big commitment. And so we've probably seen fifty sites come and go over the time we've done that. There have been, there are now, though, there's a, there's a good steady number of maybe okay. a half a dozen sites kind of touching this area. We each have our own audience, so there's some that cater to younger mm -hmm. audiences than we have. There's some that 
you know, that sort of, they may have R&B, but it's more R&B hip hop. So everybody kind of has their own little niche. If I were to say, you know, what, what is ours? Um, ours would be an area I'd call adult soul. So our average listener is probably late mm -hmm. 30s, early 40s, um, really mm -hmm. not into hip hop, um, but more into sort of classic soul, uh, urban adult contemporary music, uh, and some crossover gospel, some crossover jazz, but you know, generally vocal music uh, that appeals to people in that demographic. Right. Yeah, I, it's it's interesting. I had a conversation with my students um, actually yesterday, and we were talking about one of them asked me how did we discover music uh, when when you know when I was younger <laughs> when I was in college and right. and I was you know I was I had to sit and think about it. I was like, uh, yeah, it was usually radio, um, maybe some college radio as well, uh, but it was yeah it was, it was normally through through the radio and. Uh, but now that I'm I'm older, I'm probably I'm definitely in your demographic. So uh, it was what what the way that I guess now that adults experience or discover music is is definitely online. And, you know, we like to read a lot more and and reading blogs is definitely a, a way for us to, to find out new music. So uh, I can see how that that works to totally works for for what your demographic is. So that's that's perfect. Yeah. Yeah. Well, speaking of reaching, you, you just did a, you know, you, you pre-warned me that you were going to be releasing um, an opinion piece <laughs> that I actually loved your opinion, Chris, in fact. Um, <laughs> those of you who... I do too. I, I read it as well. I, I agree. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I really, it's it's funny. It, it, I From what I could see on social media, it spurred a lot of conversation and it, it was about... Um, you know, is Spotify and these different streaming um, entities, are they kind of killing these soul artists that you cater toward, you know, and, and the audiences or the types of um, artists that your audience, you know, listens to? Um, I definitely believe that um, it, it the streaming, I, I keep talking to people like it's, one conversation is about artists aren't getting paid enough. But this other thing that I've been wanting people to understand, and you brought this up, and I want you to talk a little bit more what kind of motivated you to do the article, but is, you know, how are adult listeners going to, to hear, find music, soul music? <laughs> because in what's happening right now, it's just, it's, you know, yes, Soul Tracks is doing its job. And like you said, maybe six other or so. But, you know, most people are not really being able to understand all that's out there. So what what kind of, I guess, prompted you to write the piece? And um, maybe you can explain a little bit more about the piece to our audience so they can have some context. Sure. The, the, the piece was, uh, what triggered it is a conversation that I'd had with lots of artists. And the common theme is uh, streaming is terrific in that I'm able to reach more people than ever before, but I'm not getting paid for it. Um, and, you know, the, the complaint a couple years ago was that the streaming services like Spotify and Apple Music simply weren't paying enough generally. Um, that's kind of turned around, and the record industry as a whole had a great year last year. It's just that that money all went to very few people. And, and the analogy I brought up, um, back in the day, uh, if, let's say, I loved Kenya's music, I would buy her CD and Kenya would 
get a piece of the CD that I bought. And then, you know, let's say my nephew likes Young Jeezy. Um, he would buy the Young Jeezy uh, CD. And in the end, Kenya would get the same amount as Young Jeezy got from those two purchases. What Spotify does, though, is we all buy our subscriptions and our subscription money. My subscription money does not go to Kenya. It goes into this pool that is split up based on how many streams or how many listens uh, there are to artists. Well, the, the reality is kids listen a lot more than adults do. And some studies show as much as five times as much. So in the example I give in the article, let's say my nephew listens to Jeezy 80 times. Let's say I listen to Kenya 20 times. Even though we both paid in the same amount, Jeezy's going to get 80% of the money because that's how it went. And so it's, it's a real game changer in that I may have gotten my subscription to listen to artists like Kenya, but my money is being used to subsidize hip hop, pop, and rock artists because that's what younger people are listening to. And so the effect is that um, more adult-oriented genres like jazz, soul, classical, blues, gospel, um, their artists are getting less money, even if their fans are actually paying up for these subscriptions. The fact that teenagers are listening 15, 16 hours a day means that's where all the money is going to go. And so the effect is we have artists who are cutting back on recording because they're losing money when they're recording instead of making money. Um, mm. Or, and I think this is even more troubling from my standpoint, artists changing their style and not really being true to their artistry, maybe adding a rapper on their song or doing something <laughs> else to try and get teenage listeners, even if it's not creatively where they want to go. So there's lots of problems with it. And so we, are, we posted the article yesterday and it got really a lot of feedback, as Kenya said, um, both from people in the industry, um, but also from fans generally who maybe didn't understand kind of the economics of it and how it negatively impacts the artists that they love. Yeah, that's it's a right. you you right. really hit a, a very important point. And uh, as an instrumentalist myself, I know that it it actually costs more in general to produce uh jazz and, and classical music and other other forms that require more musicians uh, for the studio session than it does for uh, for, you know, the, the pop oriented music. So um, it's, you know, the <laughs> the financial imbalance is even more exaggerated. Um, but I think uh, there's another piece in the in the context of all of this. And Spotify just had its IPO yesterday and uh and I think now they're mm. the, I think what did they say? They're the uh, richest company, music company, uh, strictly music company <laughs> out there. Period. Twenty five billion dollars now. So, uh, wow. Yeah, yeah. Spotify is worth more now than all the major labels put together. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The big labels, the big execs are you know, quickly jumping over to Spotify <laughs> to yeah. get, to get pieces of that, of that, you know, big pie um, that they have. And no, I thought it was a really brilliant piece in what you brought up as far as trying to figure out another mechanism by which Spotify can still kind of get their revenues, but it's just 
um, where you're maybe more so um, subscribing to a certain genre and so that your dollars really can go a little bit more towards at least those artists that you actually listen to. And um, I, my husband and I kind of had a debate. He's like, oh, that'll never work. That's just blah, 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 blah. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I'm like, but why? I mean, if, if there should, if, if they're able to, you know, I admit I listen to Spotify. They every week deliver me my little discover weekly, um, which is fantastic because I've discovered a lot of artists um, in that style of music that I really enjoy that I otherwise may not have, you know, had. And I'm like, if they're able to kind of do the algorithms and whatever to figure that out, you know, why not be able then just to, you know, create kind of this sub subscription? Like if I want to, you know, pay a certain fee to, that allows me to get there, um, you know, I just don't think that that technologically would be so, you know, hard or cost. That, that's a very simple step. Um, All you got to do when the person signs up for their subscription type, have them list what music they listen to. And then that's where the money goes. Right, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, right. it's so, tough, right? Because I had a conversation with an artist last night after the article and this artist said, you know, how do I make money on my recordings? Independent solo artists. And, Unfortunately, right now, the just, it's really tough. You almost have to think of recordings now simply as a way to reach an audience for your live performances. Yeah. You know, to get your name out there. And they're really, yeah. it's, it is very, very tough as an independent artist now to count on revenue, you know, to count on money from your recordings being something you can live on. I, I just don't know people who can do that. It really just helps you get your visibility out there um, so that you can perform live. Yeah. Now, I think Eric Benet actually just said that rec- recently I heard him say, you know, you're even for him at his level, um, he's like, you know, our CDs and, and singles are just they're commercials now. They're just commercials. And <laughs> it's just a way for you to get an idea of my voice so that you'll come to my show. And, you know, he performs a lot. You know, he, he's 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 someone who I actually just saw Eric perform recently and he was ridiculously fantastic. He uh, his voice actually sounds stronger now at the age of 51 <laughs> than mm-hmm. it did when he started, you know, in his 20s and 30s. But, yeah, that's. It's true. And if, and, and this is not going to shift anytime soon. So, um, you know, yeah, it's, it's a piece that, you know, I said I was going to share it on my, um, social media and really sharing it to the general audience, because as a general customer, you have, you know, you're just, you know, again, we're little robots, just kind of follow along the system they give us, you know, and, and not really understanding, you know, the bigger impact, um, of things. So I'm just really thankful for soul tracks because you guys are definitely contributing at least I know for my career and I'm going to switch just a, a bit because I want to ask how, how can artists get on soul tracks, like how you guys go about featuring artists. But I know for me, I believe Chris, I was introduced to you um, via uh, one of the first publicists I had, which was Bill Carpenter. I want to say that. Is that right? I don't know. Maybe it wasn't. <laughs> Somehow Bill, someone. And it, it might have been one of the Duffy brothers. I don't remember. I think that I think it was Bill because I actually met Bill before the before Kendall Duffy. 
And I think Bill was really um, helpful in getting and getting me kind of like understanding the initial stages of of music promotion. And, you know, he's a publicist. Um, But, yeah, he's who kind of got me connected to you. And, um, you know, that's our we just kind of started our relationship from there. But for artists who are out here who are doing soul music, singers out here who may, you know, cross over a little bit into gospel or jazz. What is your process of how you go about featuring, you know, that indie artist, not necessarily the established one, but a newer, a newer artist? Sure. And I'll talk about us. And I think it probably applies to the other sites out there. You know, we get, we probably get 10, <clears throat> 10 submissions a day. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, in the end, we're going to be able to write about probably one or two. So it's a, it's a <laughs> bit of a competitive landscape that everybody you know, is facing coming up. And you know, the best way is to be really professional in the presentation to us. So if, if I have somebody who submits and says, you know, first of all, it's, it's addressed to me. And it says, hi, Chris, you know, I, I'm interested in being on Soul Tracks. Here's my song. Here's my bios in case you want to know something about me. Um, you know, and it's very professional. And if I come back with questions, I get an answer, you know, in a relatively short time period. That really helps a lot. Um, the opposite of that maybe isn't so helpful. So let's say I see somebody send an email blast to, I don't know how many, because I'm blind, you know, I'm a BCC <laughs> on it. So they've sent it to a million people. It doesn't have any background. It simply has like a link to a YouTube page or something. Mm. You know, they're sort of making it more difficult for us because uh, I don't know the artist. There's no background about the artist. All I see is a link. They didn't even address it to me. I'm just kind of one of a million places they sent it to. We probably won't spend any time because the, the most difficult thing facing all the sites, including mine, is time. I mentioned 10 yeah. submissions, but we probably get 300 emails a day. And wow. just going through that, mm. you know, is, is difficult. And so, you know, it comes back to make sure that as, as you're submitting, you really give something that somebody can quickly and easily evaluate. Don't make them keep coming back and ask questions and don't make it impersonal. And, and so I'm going to make you blush a little bit, Kenya. I mean, from the first <laughs> time I dealt with you, um, extremely professional and, and helpful to mm-hmm. us always thinking in advance what might they need to have from me to really evaluate this. Um, and that made it so much easier for us. Um, so this, yeah. this first part is being professional. The second part is sending it to uh, websites that are appropriate for your music. So an hour ago, I got an email from a heavy metal yeah. I mean, there's that's kind of a waste of everybody's time. You know, that's, you know, and so if you're a heavy metal band, you should find sites appropriate to you. And the same, you know, I talked about there are other sites like Soul Tracks, but there we all have a slightly different audience. If you are, yeah. you know, a hip hop artist, we're probably not going to cover you. If you have, uh, yes, if you have a lot of, if you had a lot of swearing in your song, we're not going to cover you. Um, mm-hmm. And it's kind of really doing research and finding the places that are appropriate to you. The third element, and then I'll stop talking for a second, is... No, this is awesome. People need to hear this. Keep going. The the third thing, and this is kind of like, in a way, you're selling yourself. And whenever you're selling yourself, 
whenever you're selling something, you're trying to solve somebody else's problem. And, and flipping your approach around to say, how can I solve this other person's problem um, is really key. So if somebody comes to Soul Tracks and they sort of like, you know, we see you cover this area. I think I'm a really good fit. Um, Soul Tracks, if you post it, I will, I will heavily post it on my social media to help bring traffic to you. I mean, that is something that is telling me it's not just a one-way mm-hmm. relationship. People aren't just writing to me and saying, hey, do this for me, but actually like, how can I do something for you in return? You know, and we have to do it the same way. You know, Soltrex has to do it the same way with our sponsors, with our advertisers, with the record, record companies. We try to make it a reciprocal relationship so that it's a win-win for everybody. And sometimes I think artists fail to understand it. And to be perfectly honest, it's difficult for us. If, if we take a chance on a brand new artist, because again, we're only putting up 10 to 20% of the artists that reach us. We take a chance and we give a spotlight feature to that artist and that artist never once posts anything on their Facebook, <laughs> Twitter page about the Soul Track article. It never does anything sort of reciprocally. Um, it makes it tough for us to get excited about helping that artist more. Right. Yes. Perfect. Uh, well, he said <laughs> everything that we preach yep. <laughs> on this podcast. You did it all in your three points. Chris. So thank you. That's awesome. <laughs> we talk so much about all of that. And I, I really hope the artists are hearing this because particularly what you just said about that one way thing, um, you know, and how relationship building, um, you know, in fact, when you're sending your music out to people, it's relationship building that you're doing. It's not just about, Ooh, I got on soul tracks. It's, this is a relationship now that I'm going to have within the music industry. Um, and you know, it's just, I, I cannot preach that enough. I, I would, uh, I would ask real quick, um, if, uh, how would not just artists, but how if somebody loves to write about music, how would they, um, be able to submit an article and do you accept those types of submissions? It's a great question. Will. we do, we, we have lots of people in the community, either there's an, you know, there may be a project that they really like that they'd like to write about. Or a topic. So we, you know, for instance, a few weeks ago, we had uh, an executive at an independent label just had a topic that was burning, you know, with him. And he wrote a really nice piece. And so we post a lot of things from the community. Um, we don't like to post sort of gripes. You right, know, right. Like I went to this concert <laughs> and it really is awful. Let me tell you why. But if it's, if it's something we think would be of interest to our readers, and especially if we can learn something in the process, we do um, except submissions from, yeah. from our community. Yeah. Great. Perfect. And people can always write to info at soultracks.com. And if you can't remember that, if you go to the website, there's a contact us button and that's another way to do right. Ah, well, we're getting low on our time, aren't we? I, 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 yeah, I have some, a little yeah, bit. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> All right. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you just gave that information because I wanted to, I, I wanted people to understand how they can, um, go about reaching, you know, out to you guys if they want to have some consideration, um, and so forth. Is there any, one of the last questions that I have for you, Chris is, you know, are you guys, is there anything, um, on the horizon maybe that's going to be, um, new or different that Soul Tracks is going to be doing that you can share or kind of what do you see the future for Soul Tracks? 
Yeah, you know, it's 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 funny. Like most small businesses, we've uh, we've changed products probably a half a dozen times over the years, mm-hmm. and we're constantly experimenting um, with with new things that we're doing. Right now, we're doing a lot of world premieres of songs for artists because uh, that really connects with the readers, um, and uh, I think it helps the artists uh, a fair bit. We've done some pieces uh, recently where we've contacted really well-known artists and said, just give us a three-minute video um, you could do it with your iPhone on one of your big hits and the story behind it. Mm. And so we call it the backstory. So, for instance, the Commodores um, did a story on how Night Shift came up. Um, awesome. And Chris Jasper, the Isley Brothers, did one of the Isley Brothers songs. And that's fun stuff like that we've been trying. Mm-hmm. Um, the great thing is we're able to, to experiment with new things and see how our, our readers like it. Um, but I would say, you know, on the whole, we're, we're getting ready in May. We'll be 15 years old, so that's a pretty big deal oh, for us. Um, but I would say uh, the biggest thing is um, we're trying to more and more um, help our readers to discover things because there are fewer and fewer places mm-hmm. where our audience can hear new music. Uh, and so we're trying to help them discover it ourselves, and we're trying to help others. So whether it's online radio stations, um, you know, we started a Spotify playlist of our own mm-hmm. um, because we're finding people are discovering on Spotify. So we created something, and, and this is new, called Fresh Soul. So if you look up, if you go to Spotify and look up Fresh Soul, you'll see a playlist we've created of about 40 songs. And we put new songs every week, and we, so we rotate songs with the idea being you're not going to hear these songs on radio, but you can find a playlist just to listen to new things and keep up with what's going on in soul music. It's another way to help independent artists. Yeah. Um, so those are some of the things that we're doing right now. Awesome. That's all really yeah. awesome. The Spotify playlist thing is is actually quite genius of you to do because, again, it drives that traffic over there. So that's appreciated big time. Big time. Uh, Perfect. Will, do you have well, last minute questions for us? Um, oh, I got I got a whole bunch, but it'll take a little <laughs> bit longer to, to answer those questions. So, so yeah, we'll we'll have we'll we'll cap it, but uh, we'll definitely have to have you back and uh, and and get the updates on what's happening and and uh, and get some more insights from you as well. Yeah. Well, thanks. This has been great talking to you too. Great questions, and and I I love what you're doing for artists with this podcast. It's terrific. Oh, thank oh, you. Thanks. And and again, thanks. it's an honor. Thank you for taking time out of your day and your schedule. Um, and and those of you guys, other than just again submitting, you know, subscribe to Soul Tracks. You know, I get I love when I get my Soul Tracks email because I'm a subscriber. Even because <laughs> I, I everyone who knows me knows I'm a huge music fan. You know, you know I'm an artist, but I'm a huge fan, and I I love to um, find out new things. So make sure you subscribe, even if you're maybe if whether or not you're interested in in trying to be featured. But you know, subscribe because you'll you're going to have some, you know, some really fun content and great music, um, sent. So, and I've, and I've got, I've, you know, I look forward to certain contributors that you have, like, you know, Michael Gibson, L. Michael Gibson and Howard, you know, Dukes and what they're going to say. So it's, it's, it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun to get the the newsletters. Thank you. And subscriptions are free. So, uh, make sure people, I want to make sure people know that. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Perfect. Wow. Well, Will, well, we've, we've wrapped up yeah. another. This is what, podcast number 37 for us? 37. 
Oh, yeah, that's a yeah. We're coming. Wow! Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah. We're coming to an anniversary next month. It'll be a year that we've been doing it. So this is great. Wow, this that's right. Great. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, gotta start great. planning, Will. Episode. We gotta start planning. We need a big celebration or something. Yeah. Yeah. Up, right. Yeah. We'll we'll uh, <laughs> we'll see what we can do. <laughs> <sighs> cool. But thanks for thanks for coming on, Chris. And uh, yeah, we're we're gonna have to have you back because I got some other questions. So definitely. Thank you both. This was appreciated. All All right. right. Well, thank you. Take care, everybody. Bye. Thank you for listening, and we hope you've enjoyed this podcast episode. Please leave us a comment on our page. If you would like to contact us about a specific topic, you can email us at info at creatingcrimson.com or drwsmith at makingmoneyinthemusicbizbiz.com. If you would like to schedule a consultation session with Creating Crimson, you can fill out the contact form at the bottom of the website at creatingcrimson.com. If you would like registration services for your music project, you can visit makingmoneyinthemusicbiz.com and go to the registration services page. Please fill out the contact form and we will get back with you promptly. If you are interested in advertising on our podcast, please send us an email at drwsmith at makingmoneyinthemusicbiz.com.